basic questions every one of us need to answer when it comes to serving. Who am I? Uh, what's the need? Where do those two intersect? Where's the point at which those intersect? And when you find that intersection of who you are and what the need is, that's your sweet spot. That's the place that, that when you're serving right there, you're going to find that significance gap filled. Well, welcome to Southfield. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're here. Did you get enough turkey? If not, there's probably still leftovers, right? Well, you know, I hope you had a chance to serve in a way that you haven't served before. And uh, show your family maybe. I know I was having Thanksgiving with a guy who totally shocked his mom this weekend by picking up the dishcloth and starting the dishes. So it was pretty awesome. Um, Today, Dennis is going to continue his series on I Live to Serve with We're Shaped for It. So we're going to dig in again about how we're wired and we're, we're living and we're alive and we're put here to serve because God has made us that way. We're going to continue in worship this morning with rooftops. I think you're familiar with this, so I expect you to sing it out. And I just want you to focus on that line, all that I am, I place into your loving hands. Sometimes I feel like I fall so short. I don't feel worthy. I don't even feel like I deserve God's love. But you know what? I know that he can shape me and he can mold me and he can make me the person that he wants me to be. Because he has incredible plans for me and he has incredible plans for you. And all we need to do is just surrender and place it all into his loving hands. Dear God, we thank you for this day, Father. And we pray, Lord, that you would take us and mold us, Lord God into who you want us to be. All that we are, we place into your loving hands, Lord. We are yours. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Dennis. It's great to have you here today. Um, I know that as you're walking in, some of you, this is your first time today. We want to welcome you especially. On the inside of your folder, there's a, there's a card, and it says Southfield on it. If you take that out, I want you to put your name on it. Right now, if this is your first time, fill out as much of the information on the card as you're comfortable filling out. And uh, as you're leaving today, you'll notice a table on the way outside of the door. Uh, there are some books there, a gift for you to, for just to be able to say thanks for you being here today. You will need to keep this card close today. Uh, we're going to be using this actually throughout the message, so uh, make sure that it doesn't wander too far away. All right, so the weekend is almost done. You had Thursday, Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully, you did a great job with your serve. I've heard some serve reports already. People who got involved in dishes and other things that they haven't done before. It was great to hear you taking that seriously and getting involved. And then came Black Friday. And so I want to know who the people are in the room that are not like me. How many of you got up at 3 in the morning or whatever and went out and got your bargain? Go ahead. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. I, I'll never understand it, but I'm glad you enjoy it. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, right. Anyway, nobody got maced or pepper sprayed or any, any goofiness. That's good to hear. Or we're the pepper sprayers. Uh, I guess you're here, so you must not have. All right. Then, from what I understand, yesterday was a small business Saturday. You were supposed to go buy something at a small business and make them feel good. And Monday is uh, Cyber Monday. Do you happen to feel a theme going on here? Is somebody trying to get us to buy everything? Uh, so far, they have not touched Sunday, and I'm thankful for that. Sunday still belongs to God, and we're here to, to worship Him. Uh, today is the first Sunday of Advent. 
And uh, we celebrate that like a lot of churches do with, a, with an Advent wreath with four candles. Uh, one candle lit today for the first Sunday of Advent. And you're looking at that, you're thinking, wait a second, Thanksgiving just ended and you're already jumping to the next thing. You know, that's part of the reason for Advent. Advent is kind of a, it's a gear shifter. It helps us to get our minds ready for what's coming next. And what's coming next is the birth of Christ and being able to celebrate that. And so uh, if you're feeling a little bit like, I'm being pulled over in another direction, that's exactly the intention of Advent, to get us focused in the right direction, to get us focused on, on Christ and focused on, on His birth. We have been involved in this series that we're, that we're wrapping up today, made this little What's It? Olive to Serve. Hopefully you by now are, are really buying into that concept that, that God made you, He wired you, He designed you uh, to be a person who serves. And, and serving is more than an activity, it's an identity. I'm not just someone who does serving, I'm a servant, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said about himself, and that's the mindset we should all take on. We are servants, we're slaves of Christ. As we've gone through this, we've seen that we're wired for it, every one of us, um, God has given us a desire for relationship. He's given us a desire for significance. And part of the way that you find your significance is through serving. If you're feeling like, you know, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Serving is part of what fills that, that identity gap. So we're wired for it. We're called to it. Like I said already, it, serving is not just something that I do. I don't just put it on my list and check it off. A servant is, is who I am. I'm, I'm a servant of Jesus, so everything I am, everything I have, it all belongs to him, totally and completely. It's not just a, a little piece of time I'm giving him or something along the way, but it's the entirety of my identity. And then last week we saw when we serve, we're, we're better for it. We're really better off. When we get involved in doing something for someone else, we've, you know, we've said this for years, that we're not here for us. We're made for others. We're made for God. We're made for others. And so we're better when we kind of get outside of our, our selfishness and serve and do something for someone else. It also helps us uh, from the standpoint of our attitudes and our motivations. We start to see why we really do something. So we're going to move on to our last, uh, last point today. And as we do, what we're going to see is there are three basic questions Every one of us need to answer when it comes to serving. Here's the first one. Who am I? Not who am I. You ask it of yourself. Who am I? Who has God made me to be? If you're going to serve, you've got to start exploring your own identity. You have to know what your gifts are, how you're wired, all those sorts of things. Who am I? That's a very important question to ask. The second question that we have to answer is, uh, what's the need? What's the need? Where, where is the area that needs someone to serve? Whether it's in a church or in the community, in the world, in your family, anywhere, what's the need? Now, when we take who am I and what's the need, it really brings us to the final question, and that is, where do those two intersect? Where is the point at which those intersect? And, and when you find that intersection of who you are and what the need is, that's your sweet spot. That's the place that, that when you're serving right there, you're going to find that significance gap filled. You're going to say, I finally know why I'm here. You're, you're going to realize the purpose for your life. 
So today we're talking about this fact that, that we've been shaped to serve. And SHAPE is a, it's an acronym that we have used around our church for a long, long time. In fact, as I was coming up on, on this particular uh, message, I thought, maybe I should change it. Maybe I should change it up just to get some variety in there. And the more I tried to change it, I came back and said, you know, some things just shouldn't change. We, we need to be reminded of this, as well as for some of us, we've never heard it before. So it helps us to go through and see exactly how God has designed us to be people who serve. So let's start to break down this, this acronym together. And the first letter, S, stands for spiritual gifts. The Bible talks about spiritual gifts that every believer in Christ has one. In fact, I'm going to take you through some verses found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See what Paul says about spiritual gifts. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but he is the same God who does the work in all of us. Part of the point Paul is trying to to make from the very beginning is this idea of unity and diversity. That as we look around the body of Christ, different people will have different gifting. Not everybody will have the same gift. And at the same time, all those gifts come from God. They come from Christ. And because of that, there's unity in the great diversity that he creates in his body. He says a spiritual, given, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Two really important points there. First of all, everyone who's a believer, everyone who's a Christ follower has at least one gift. You may have more. But everyone has at least one gift. These gifts aren't reserved for, for certain people. The Bible says no. A gift is given to each one of us. And the purpose behind it is not to use it on ourselves. It's not, it's not that sort of thing. It's given to help others. So God has given you a unique gifting to help other people. Then he goes on to say to one The Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another. The same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift, the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And it's verse 11 there that I want you to really zero in on. We don't get to choose our gifts. You don't get to go through the, the list of gifts in the Bible and say, I want to be this, or I choose this one, or I choose that one. It says the Spirit is the distributor of the gifts. He's chosen what He wants to give you in order that God's work can be accomplished. He's the one that determines who will be gifted and how they will be gifted. Let me show you another passage on gifts, too, that, that Paul wrote. In Romans chapter 12, he said, In His grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, Do it gladly. 
He's basically saying, put your all into your giftedness. Don't do it half-heartedly. Make sure if God has given you this gifting, put your very best effort into it. Probably one of the um, clearest examples of spiritual gifting, I think, in the Bible is what happened in the book of Acts chapter 2, where you have a group of very common people, uneducated people, and the Spirit came upon them, and immediately they were able to speak in other languages, languages that other people in, in, the, in the crowd understood immediately. And the comment they made about the way that they spoke those languages is that it was not just that they spoke in another language, but they actually spoke with the dialect or, or you know, the, the, um, the accent of the area from which the person had come. And you look at that and go, how in the world can that be? Only God's Spirit can do that kind of thing. And that's the way a spiritual gift works. It's something God does in you, and you go, how can that be? Well, God's the one that is chosen. He's the one that is determined whether or not you'll have a certain spiritual gifting. In fact, when I talk to people about their gifts, here's what I generally find. If you're gifted in an area, you do it so naturally that you kind of go, I don't, I don't even know how it happens. It just happens because it's something God has chosen to do through you. Now, there are lots of ways to figure out what your gifting is. And what I've discovered, the best way to, uh, to discover your gifting is not necessarily go through and take a 187-question uh, test. A lot of tests are offered that will say, here's my spiritual gifting. What I find a lot of times when people take a test on spiritual gifts, they put down what they want to be, not what they are. They they put down what they hope will one day well up in them instead of what they really are. Instead, I just suggest you start doing some things. Get active. Get doing some things and see what God blesses as he works through you. You know, you think you might have the gift of teaching? Get involved in some teaching. See what happens. Uh, Try some things and see how it works in you. So now is where your card comes in because what I want you to do On the back side, you have the acronym for shape and then a yes or a no. And hopefully you have a pen. They are attached to your folders today. Uh, I want you to check off either yes, I have a pretty good idea of what my spiritual gifting is. Or no, I, I, I have no idea what my spiritual gifting is. Or wow, you know, this is the first time I've even heard this today. So you may want to put the no column. All right, so you're putting either yes or no. Uh, I have a good idea of what my spiritual gifting is. Or no, I do not. The next one is the H. H stands for heart. And on heart, I want to take this in two directions. The first direction I want to take it is this. If we're talking about spiritual gifts, the only way you can have a spiritual gift is if you're spiritual. The only way you can have a spiritual gift is if you have a relationship with God. So God doesn't give spiritual gifts to people who do not have a relationship with him. So when it comes to heart, the first thing we need to understand is that we serve out of our relationship with God. I want to show you a verse in the Bible that's uh, pretty sobering. Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 22 and 23 say, On judgment day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I, Jesus, will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Look at that and go, my word, what is he saying? He's saying there are a whole lot of people who are very religious but don't have a relationship with God. There are a whole lot of people who who go through the right religious motions, who even do things saying they're doing it for God, but they don't have a relationship with God yet. 
What I get concerned about when it comes to serving is that a person is going to jump into serving, get involved in serving, and before you know it, they're so loving serving that they forget there's something more fundamental. And the more fundamental thing is, do you know God? I would never want it for you that that you were involved in being religious. You were doing the right things, but you hadn't come into a right relationship with God yet. Taking that further, I think it's important when we're serving to understand none of us will ever... None of us will ever be perfect in this life. But when it comes to serving, if I'm living in a state of overt sin, if I'm living in a state, even though I'm a believer, if I'm living in a state of rebellion against God, it may be time for me to step back from serving for a little bit and get my relationship with God in the right place first. I think sometimes people serve to cover what's going on in their life. They serve to cover a mess. Instead of serving out of their relationship with God, they're serving to try to look better. And so, again, we talked about serving being about motivation, revealing our motives. What does serving reveal about your relationship with God? Do you have one at all? Or is your relationship right now broken uh, when it comes to your relationship with God? The other part of H has to do with your passion. What do you love to do? Who do you love serving? You know, it's a crazy thing. I don't understand it. But for years in Christian circles, there was kind of this understanding that if God wanted you to do something, you'd probably be miserable doing it. In fact, the more miserable you were, it was even godlier. So you you wanted to really, if you were doing something for God, you wanted to be grievous. I mean, you wanted to feel like you were just bent over and being tortured. And What's the worst thing you got to do in the church? Sign me up. That kind of attitude. I really believe the Bible teaches just the opposite. That God's saying, if you're serving, it should be something that brings out great joy in you, great passion. You're excited about it. I take you back to Ephesians 2.10, where we started this series. It says we're God's masterpiece. He created us in new Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I don't know about you, but as I read that, that's a very optimistic, exciting verse. It doesn't say God made you to torture you. God made you to to be miserable. So find the most painful thing in the body of Christ you can and do it with all your might. No, God's going to put you in a place that that you're passionate, something you're excited about. One thing to remember about passion, what you're passionate about, the person next to you may not be at all. And that does not mean that they're not godly. That just means that God wired them differently. And part of the beauty of the body of Christ is he's given everybody different gifts and everybody different passions. And so we're able to serve many needs instead of just one need because we're all wired the exact same way. So just like you did with spiritual gifts, here's H, heart. Do you know what your passion is? Do you know what you're excited about? Going to A, the word is abilities. And I always find this one funny when I have a chance to talk to people personally or when we've, when we've done the SHAPE seminar in the past, when it comes to abilities, people tend to think that the things that they've learned to do in life, um, God doesn't want to use those. He just, he just wants to use the really spiritual things. But, but the skills that you've learned along the way, the things that you've been trained to do, for some reason people think, nah, God doesn't want those. That's just what I do for a living. 
or, or that's what I just what I just learned to do at school or or that's what I've learned to do in my job. And God loves to use your abilities as well. And so I was thinking through abilities. It reminded me of a story in in first Samuel, chapter 17. You remember when David is <clears throat> about to confront Goliath? He learns that this giant is taunting the people of Israel. He goes to King Saul and he says, I'll take him on. And you can, you can almost hear Saul gulp. He's like, nobody's saying they'll go. Now this kid's coming and I'm supposed to send a kid out there? And so David gives his defense for why he should be the one to go. He says, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. Oh my. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the, and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You know what he's talking about? His natural abilities. He's saying, all my life I've been a shepherd. And now I'm ready to put my shepherding skills to work in another area of life. And I love the way he puts this at the end, because this is what happens with abilities. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. What he's saying, God will empower my abilities. God will empower the things he's given me the ability to do, to use in his service, to use for him. The next letter on the acronym is personality. This is one of my favorite ones to talk about. In fact, when we've had a chance to go through material like this in the past, it seems like this is the area that for a lot of people, light bulbs turn on. They, they start to realize that there's something fundamental about the way they're wired, and the way they're wired helps them to understand then why they enjoy so much serving in some areas and why they dread so much serving in other areas. And they even start to understand things about their relationships in life, about their marriage, about why there are certain kids they get along with and certain kids they're a little bit more frustrated with. It really, it just, it, a lot of light bulbs go on. So let me walk you through what I hope will help you to understand a little bit more about your, the wiring of your personality. We have this uh, plus mark on the, on the screen and the one line is red and the other line is black. There are two questions that every person needs to ask. How are you energized and how are you organized? What in life brings you great energy? When you do this thing, you've you got a lot more juice. And when you don't, you, you feel your batteries kind of depleted. How are you energized? The other question is, how are you organized? And some of you are saying, I'm not. Well, that's part of how you're organized, okay? So energized and organized. These are the two basic questions. Let's go first to the energized, which is the red line. Some people are energized by doing a task. You're the kind of person at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, you make the to-do list, and at the end of the day, if it's all checked off, you get a good night's sleep. And if it's not checked off, it's kind of bugging you a little bit. You love doing tasks, you're into making sure the job gets done, and there's energy in just making sure those things get checked off. The other end of that continuum is being with people. I mean, you're, you know this is you if there were 40 people at your house for Thanksgiving and you didn't feel like there were quite enough. 
You, you needed just a few more. Just a few more would have made you really happy. Uh, you are either energized more by doing tasks or more by being with people. Now, here's where the finger pointing starts, unfortunately. Because one, the person who likes being with people will point at the person who likes doing tasks and says, well, you don't love people. Well, yeah, they do. They just love them their own way. And the person that likes doing tasks will say, all you ever want to do is be with people. There's a job to get done. It's, we kind of have the, the Mary Martha fight going on here. One person is uh, doing the work and the other person is sitting at the Lord's feet, which, you know, sounds so much more spiritual. So anyway, you got this battle going on here between the two. You, you tend toward one or the other side of that continuum. Maybe not extreme to either side, but one or other, the other side of that continuum. Now, now, let me give you the other one. How are you organized? For some of you, you are structured and predictable. I mean, we can set our clocks to you because everything happens pretty much the same way. You've got, you've got very clear structure going in your life. And for the other, the rest of us, we are random and we like variety. Uh, we, we, doing the same thing twice makes us a little crazy. We like a little bit more random going. And, and again, here's where the finger pointing gets going because the, um, the random variety person will say that the structured person needs to get a life and the structured, predictable person will say you need to grow up. And you get this, this battle going on between the two. And the sad part is God never intended a battle. God intended for some people to be more task-oriented and some people to be more people-oriented, some people to be more structured and predictable, and some people to be more random and variety. Now, there are lots of ways that you can figure out where you fall in this. Structured and predictable, for example, you can usually figure this one out by the way you do vacations. If you know already where you're going on vacation this coming year and you've already typed out the agenda for every day, and I mean right down to uh, at 3.01, we'll be back in the car after stopping at Amico. Pretty good sign, pretty good sign that you fall to the structured, predictable side. And I know that sounds extreme, but I'm telling you what, I know people, not my family, I know people who do vacation by way of written agenda. Then there's the other crew. It's a week before they're going to be off work, and you ask them, you going anywhere? I don't know, we might. Yeah? What do you think? Well... Maybe Minnesota, maybe Florida. Oh, okay. Uh, when will you decide? When we get in the car. And I'm not kidding. I've known these people too. They, boom, either side uh, of the continuum. This really helps a lot to understand uh, why there are certain areas you love to serve and why there are certain areas that make you a little bit crazy. If you look at this uh, and, and look where Dennis falls... I tend to fall on energized by doing tasks, random variety. Or in other words, the ministries that are going to fit well with me fall in that box where it says, how are you energized? That's that's where I'm going to operate the most effectively. Go to the other side. Doing a task, structured, predictable. This looks a little bit more like my wife. Okay? She's got a lot more um, structure, organization, to-do lists that get checked off, and she's energized by doing tasks. If you were to look at different ministries here, doing tasks, structured, predictable, that's probably the person that you want in charge of your checkbook. They'll, they'll, they'll do it every month. <laughs> 
they'll even look at it weekly and, and even when they don't have to, they, you know, because that's what they do. And, and the random guy waits until the letters turn red. And then he says, I guess we should do something about this. Are you getting the way this works? Are you understanding this? So, yeah, about a year into our marriage, the checkbook moved over to the right side box. Um, being with people, random variety. Uh, this is a person that, that in, I mean, obviously enjoys being with people, but they're probably going to struggle a little bit if, they, if you say, would you meet with so-and-so every Tuesday at 9 o'clock? They, they'll be, the first thing they'll say is, can we keep it flexible? Is it, is it okay if we, you know, we'll just, we'll keep it flexible. And on the other hand, structured, predictable, being with people, this is the person you're never late to the appointment, or they'll give you the look. You'll get the stink eye. They, 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 you know, you better stick with the program. They're more structured, but they enjoy being with people. Every one of these areas have certain ministries that fall into them, and if you're wired in that box you'll find yourself thrilled. And if you're not wired in that box, you'll be saying, what in the world am I doing in this particular ministry? So just like the others, you have the box. If you've got a pretty good feel for your personality, based on the chart here, put yes. And if you don't, go ahead and put no. Finally, E stands for our experiences. Let me read you some of the experiences of the Apostle Paul, okay? Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 8, says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Uh, that's not the way it's supposed to work, is it? I thought if I serve Jesus, everything's supposed to go easy, right? No, he says, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Go down to verse 15. He says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Here's what Paul is saying. That his experiences in life, the good ones and the bad ones, have been useful in ministering to other people. And in this particular passage, we look at the bad ones. He talks about all the painful experiences he's had and realizes that his painful experiences have been beneficial to other people. For most of us, the painful experiences we've had, we want to blot them out. We don't want to think about them. We view them as our defect. We view them as the area that we are flawed. We use them, view them as the area that is unusable. And God says just the opposite. He says, in your weakness, that is where he is made strong. So what you often find when it comes to serving is that the area that you will have very effective ministry to another person is the area in which you've been wounded deeply. The area in which you have experienced intense pain. In part just because you can relate. You're not talking from theory. You've been there. But you can share on a heart level that someone else might not be able to share who hasn't been through the same thing. So your good experiences, uh, your common experiences, like even just your education, all your experiences add up 
as pieces that God uses uh, to help you to serve others. So are you pretty familiar with your experiences? Hopefully you are. It's your life. But, you know, you may need to take some time exploring that. What are the experiences I've had in life? If you're familiar with them, put yes. And if not, go ahead and put a no. So let's bring this thing home. Maybe your card looks something like this. In other words, you have more no's than yeses. You're saying, uh, this has been good. It's helped me to think. There's some areas that I need to do some learning. If this is where you've fallen, there's one other box on your card that I want you to consider checking off, and that's in the small box off to the right. The bottom one says Shape Seminar. And in January, we're going to take some time to walk through, again, understanding the specifics of what we've talked about today. So you're not, you are not officially registering for this. Uh, notice the top says, I am interested in. If you want to learn more about it as we get the final details settled, put your name, go ahead, put your name on the front and check that box right now to say, yeah, I'm interested in learning more. I want to understand how I'm wired. I want to understand how I'm shaped. I, I really do. Now, for others of you, yours may look a little bit more like this. You have a lot more yeses than you do noes. And if that's the case, uh, you can do the shape seminar if you want. I suspect you know all you need to know. And I suspect it's just time to start doing something. It's, it's time to stop talking about serving and instead jumping into the serve. Just go ahead and start. Do something. And I don't know, a lot of things hold us back from serving. Sometimes it's just our schedule. Sometimes it's because we're waiting for the perfect opportunity. And the problem is we'll wait and we'll wait and we'll wait and we'll wait and we'll wait. Jump in on something. Start to get involved in serving today. Let's talk to God together. Father, I'm, I'm grateful to you that you didn't just say you need to serve, but you equipped us to do it. There are parts of our personalities, God, that, uh, to be perfectly honest, just make us a little bit crazy. And we wonder, why in the world was I made that way? And then we come to realize we were made that way because you designed us before the foundations of the world to do something very specific for you. I pray that we would become more and more comfortable with our wiring, that we would be more comfortable with the shape in which you've made us, that we wouldn't be jealous of others who have the shape we hope for, but instead we'd look and say, this is the way God made me, and I'm thrilled to be used for him in any way that he wants. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of doing your work in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Our services are going to come forward in service communion right now. And as you're thinking about communion, I just want to challenge you to, to think about how, I don't know if you've ever had a time where you had to ask for forgiveness for something you knew that you were guilty of, you knew that you deserved the consequences, but you just wanted to ask for grace and see if that other person would be kind enough and loving enough to forgive you. And recently, a couple weeks ago, I kind of went through that, and I knew that I didn't deserve it. I knew that I had done wrong, but I just thought, well, maybe, just maybe. And she was kind enough to forgive me, and it was awesome. I can't explain the feeling that I felt after I was given that grace. And you know what? Jesus forgave more than just a tiny 
little offense. He forgave us for huge sins and covered everything. And he did it without us asking. And so we just need to answer to him and just say, you know what, Lord, I accept that. And thank you for that grace. Thank you for that mercy and that forgiveness. And that's what he did on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a few moments to sit at the foot of your cross, to think about the wonderful sacrifice you made for our sins. Help us to always live in light of that sacrifice, living joyfully, knowing that you died for us so we could serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have servers coming right now. They're going to collect your offering. You can place the offering in the basket. Make sure you go ahead and put your uh, cards in there as well as they come by. Uh, this morning, as you came in, you received your your folder, and you noticed it looked a little bit different than than it has uh, normally. And we're going to try doing this. I think it'll work out pretty well. Instead of printing our prayer sheet that that we were distributing, instead of printing it as something separate, it's actually uh, part of your folder. So these are the prayers that we're encouraging you to pray during December, and you can just go ahead and either keep that intact or rip off that front part and use that for your prayer time for for Southfield and for the world. Uh, We want to encourage you to grow in prayer. And I know one of the things when we talk about prayer, people say, but I don't know what to say. Well, it helps sometimes just have a a list of of items and topics to be able to go through and spend a few moments uh, reflecting on that and talking to God. We have 20 items on the list, which means that if you spend just 30 seconds on each item, I was actually tempted to stop for 30 seconds, but I won't. 30 seconds is not very long. If you spend 30 seconds on each item, you'll have prayed for 10 minutes. And for some of you, are going, wow, that's longer than I've ever prayed in my life. You'll be amazed at how quickly it goes if you just have something to pray about. You notice the theme at the top of the sheet is the verse that the angel Gabriel said to Mary when he described how Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was going to have a child even though she was very old and how Mary was going to have a child even though she was a virgin. The angel said to her, for nothing is impossible with God. And I want you to keep that, that line in your mind throughout this Christmas season. No matter what you're facing, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what you're going through, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Do you have the guts to pray that to God? God, I know nothing is impossible for you. I believe you wholeheartedly. So I hope you'll use that and grow in your personal prayer. Let's stand together and we're going to sing before we leave. May you have a great week this week and embrace the spirit of serving that we are created for. And just remember that nothing is impossible with God. Have a great Sunday.